restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. So glad uh, for what the Lord is doing. We just want to welcome you this evening. Those of you that are here and watch you online to our Wednesday night refreshing service. We're going to have a good time in the Lord tonight. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that we have a good God and you rule and reign in our hearts, Lord, and we give you glory and honor and praise. We are here, Lord, to hear your word and to do your work. And we glorify you in all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
worship you in this place. We speak that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Come on, let's worship Worship him a little bit. Hallelujah. He is worthy of our worship. We worship he is worthy to be adored and praised and honored and glorified. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Oh, we're faith. Bless your holy name. Faith in your word, Praise your holy you, name. Oh we come with your Hallelujah, word Lord and we Jesus. worship you. Glory, glory, glory to you, you Lord. Bless you, Lord Jesus. You are the Alpha Man. Praise your holy name. You are the King of Kings. Hallelujah. You Lord. are the Lord of Lords. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, you, you are Lord resurrection Jesus. power. Oh, we glorify you, Lord. We worship you. Bless your holy name. Who you are. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we hallelujah. You for the great oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus. That you are Jesus. Lord, we thank you Hallelujah. for your faithfulness Jesus. and your goodness and your steadfastness. You are the God who never changes. And we thank you that you are in our midst, ready to perform your word. And Lord, you speak to us and we listen. says the Lord I am your father who is greater than all I care for you I look upon you and I see what I've created you to be I see the plans that I have laid before you take 
my hand and fulfill my plan. Together, you will experience greatness with me, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen, amen. Well, you may have your seats. Glory to God. You know, God loves relationship. Everything that he did in sending his son Jesus and even creating us. I heard it said one time that God wanted someone to pal around with. And so he made mankind. Amen. Would you, you, you want to be God's friend? You know, God, God said that he talked to Moses as a man speaks to his friend. And the Bible declares that Abraham was a friend of God. Amen. That, that speaks of a good, strong relationship. Hallelujah. Well, you know, before we dismiss the kids, I just want to say, you know, we were singing, our God is a good God. You know, um, we, uh, we took some time off. We took uh, Gabriel and Sean uh, to Tulsa. We got them set up. And in one day, they each had a bed. They had a coffee table, a couch, end tables, uh, desks. And uh, they got everything for just over $300. Amen? Our God is a good God. And uh, it's always important to listen to the prophetic voice. When we got to Tulsa, Gabriel's car started to do some shaking. And we didn't know what it was. You know, I'm not a mechanic. And uh, the prophet, Josiah, says it's the spark plug. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Well, we took, to, we took it to get tested because the engine light came on. Guess what? It was number six spark, spark plug misfiring. <laughs> Amen. You got to listen to the prophetic voice. And, uh, and then um, we, we got to attend a camp meeting while we were there and getting the boys set up. And, um, you know, the one night, uh, I think it was Wednesday night, maybe. I can't remember the night, but... Um, you know, Josiah, said, on the way to church, he says, you know what? I think we need to sit in the balcony tonight. And we're like, oh, you know, no one wants to climb the stairs and go up. He says, no, we really need to sit in the balcony. So the guest speaker that night. We did not sit in the balcony. Yeah, we did not. We did not listen to the prophetic voice. So the guest speaker that night, he's giving away his, some of his stuff, right? Guess what? He said, no one's getting it on the floor. It's all going to the balcony. <laughs> You know, when you believe his word, you'll be established. But when you believe his prophets, you prosper. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we're, we're just so glad to be back. And thank you for everyone who served and helped and preached and ministered and taught the kids and just took care of the home base. We really appreciate you. Um, this is the best church in the world. Yeah. And uh, we love you and we're glad to uh, be a part of this great work. Amen. Well, I just want to just share this thing before we dismiss the kids. And uh, just want to talk to you for a moment about giving. Amen. You know, your giving is your lifeline to your increase and your provision. And the Bible tells a story of uh, 
5,000 men. Now, that was just the men. That wasn't the women and the children. So you're talking about giant center capacity of people, right? And they, Jesus went to this secluded place, and the people followed him there because they were so hungry for what he had to say, the truth about the kingdom. And, uh, you know, Jesus was looking at them. He had compassion on them. And he said, you know, um, where are we going to get some food to feed these people? You know, the disciples are thinking, you came to preach not to feed them, <laughs> right? And uh, Jesus knew what he was going to do, but he said that to test his disciples. And uh, one of his disciples said, uh, in, this is in John 6, verse 7, Philip answered, 200 denarii or 200 days wages worth of bread is not enough for each one to receive a little. Then Andrew said, there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two small fish or two fish. What are these among so many? You know what it is? It's a seed. And you know what a seed does? A seed multiplies, right? And uh, in uh, verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down to eat. How many know that's faith? He's, he's preparing them to receive food that they don't even have yet. That's faith. All right? Sit down and get ready to eat. What? A little boy's lunch for 10,000 plus people. Okay? Because there was an abundance of grass there, so the men sat down, 5,000 in number, verse 11. Then Jesus took the loaves. He received the offering. When you get it in the hands of the master, your seed becomes multiplied seed. The power of God connects with that seed, and it multiplies and it increases it. Right? And when he had given thanks, he gave thanks for the gift. He gave thanks for the power of God, right? And then he began to distribute those who were seated, the same also with the fish, as much as they wanted. He didn't say, take a limited, just take a little bit, right? They were able to eat as much as they wanted, right? And when they had eaten enough, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be lost. He gathers the fragments, So they gathered them up and they filled 12 large baskets. One lunch fed everybody until what they wanted and they had 12 baskets left over. Amen. Can you imagine that little boy taking those 12 baskets home? Say, mom and dad, look what happened. All right. So never underestimate your seed. Even if it is two mites. Amen. Just put it in the hands of the master and watch him multiply it. So as you give tonight, all those who want to give uh, that are here, you can give any time in, in our containers, in the bookstore. Those of you watching, you can give online. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for the kingdom principle of giving. And Lord, we give unto you because we love you. And we're just so glad to participate in your plan. And we thank you, Lord, that every gift and giver is blessed abundantly by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, kids, we're going to dismiss you to have your class. We're so grateful that we got some people teaching our kids on Wednesdays. Kids, have a great class. Be blessed. Hallelujah.
Well, I'm a little bit full of fire tonight. But it's an Olympic torch. I'm ready to pass the flame. Amen. Amen. You guys ready to catch the fire? Hallelujah. I've been soaking under the word. Amen. Participating with the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. And you know, we're living in a time and an hour where we see things that are going on. And I want to encourage the body of Christ tonight that the devil needs to be resisted. I mean, he needs to be, you know, he can be stopped in his tracks. And guess what? We, as the church of Jesus Christ, has the power to do just that. But if you want to resist the devil, there's some things that you got to do before that. So this is what I want to talk about tonight. I didn't really have a good title. I said, resist, rise up and resist the devil, and through humility we gain the victory. Amen. It's kind of a two-title two sermon. So 1 Peter chapter 5. And we're going to start with verse 5. And he gives us some principles here that are going to help us resist. You know, you got to be part of the resistance. We got too many people compliant, but we need some resistors. We need some people to stand up against evil and darkness. Amen. We need some light bearers ready to shine their light and drive the darkness away. First Peter chapter five, verse five. Likewise, you younger, I'm going to read it from the Amplified. It says, you younger men of lesser rank and experience Be subject to your elders or submit yourselves to the elder. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility. For God resists the proud. If God resists the proud, then we should resist the proud. Amen? God is opposed to the proud, the disdainful, the presumptuous, and he defeats them. Aren't you glad for that? The enemy runs his kingdom. He fuels his kingdom with pride. And God opposes the proud. Amen? And he goes on, but he says he gives grace to the humble. All right? He talks about humility and being humble a lot in this passage. Verse 6, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you. How many know God will exalt you, but you've got to put yourself in his hands. You've got to put yourself under his care, right? We're not to promote ourselves. God will promote you. What did he, what did he tell Abraham? I will make your name what? Great. What does that mean? Famous. Do you realize people, how many people in the world are talking about Abraham? His name has been made famous. Who made his name famous? God made his name famous. Amen? 
God will make you famous as long as you're under his influence. We need to get under the influence of God. Amen? We need to have some DUI Christians drunk under the influence of God. Right? We need some people who are possessed with the Spirit of God. Amen? We need some firebrands. Y'all are, you've been plucked from the fire. You guys are firebrands. God made you firebrands. He plucked you from the fire and he put a fire in your heart. Hallelujah. I'm fired up. All right. Verse 7. Casting all your cares. You don't need to be careful. You need to be carefree. We're going to get into these in just a little bit. Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all yours. How many? All. all. There should not be one care or anxious thought or worry that you're carrying around. You need to cast it onto him. Right? For he cares for you. He, he takes good care of you. He cares for his children. My goodness, he brought water from a rock. He rained down bread from heaven. He flew in quail, waist high. While they were in the wilderness. They didn't lack anything. Why? God cares for his children. He can care for you when the economy is good and when the economy, it has nothing to do with the economy. God will, God will take good care of you. Say, God takes good care of me. All right, then you got to be sober, well-balanced and self-disciplined. you got to be alert and cautious at all times. Why? The enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking whom he may devour. Don't let the devil devour you. He's devouring a lot of people. And we can help them. We can, we can snatch people from the jaws of the lion. Well, the devil is a toothless lion when you really know who you are in Christ. Right? Verse 9, here's, here's the verse. But resist him. we got to resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attack Rooted, established, immovable, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone. Verse 10, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace. My goodness, God is a God of grace. He's the God of all grace. Jesus was filled with truth and grace. Right? He called you to his own eternal glory in Christ. He, will, he himself will complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. How many want to be complete, confirmed, strengthened, and established in God? There's no rogue Christian who is going to resist the devil. You've got you to come under God's authority. You've got to come under God's structure. Right? It's called the family of God, right? And 
I like to read this in different translations, but I, I don't have time. I got the message, the passion, and the J.B. Phillips. You can look that up sometime. <laughs> All right? So number one, if you want to resist the devil, you've got to humble yourself. Every time it talks about humility in the Bible, it's always you humbling yourself, not God humbling you. What does that mean to be humble? Avoid pride. See, there's a temptation. See, human beings have this thing called ego. Right? And uh, when the devil gets a hold of your ego, you've got to tell him, let go of my ego. Right? <laughs> See, the opposite of pride is humility. Okay? So you've got to avoid pride. Pride is an enemy of God. And when you, if you see yourself getting lured into pride, or if you see someone operating in pride, guess what? You've got to resist it on both fronts. You've got to resist it from getting a hold of you, and you've got to resist it when it's operating in your presence. Okay? Pride needs to be resisted, fought, and overcome and put down. You've got to put down pride. Because that's what caused the enemy who committed the first sin to get kicked out of heaven. And pride is really exalting yourself. The enemy wants to, he wanted to exalt himself and he will try to get you to exalt yourself. And it never, no good comes out of that. Amen? The proud are disdainful, disrespectful, they're scornful, they're presumptuous. In other words, they don't stop at the limits. They take things too far. Right? They're brazen, they're rude, they're insolent, they're cocky. It's better to be confident than cocky. Right? Okay? To be humble means to totally depend on the Lord and not yourself. The greatest example of humility is John the Baptist. They were trying to get John the Baptist to be puffed up. Hey, John, how come Jesus is baptizing more people than you? How come they're getting more disciples than you? What did John say? He must increase. I must decrease. Why? John knew what his purpose was. His purpose was to introduce the Savior. That's what his purpose was. And he did that, didn't he? He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He not only got to introduce him, he got to baptize him. Amen? That was his ministry. And he knew that. But they were trying, the devil was trying to egg John on to get puffed up into pride. But John said, he must increase, I must decrease. The greatest thing in our lives ought to be Jesus Christ. All right? A humble person is God-reliant rather than self-reliant. You ever meet anybody? Oh, I can do that myself. You know, I've been married now, what, 24 years? That's awesome. And when I was a single man... I could 
I learned really good to drive the car with my knee. If I was drinking some water or some coffee, you know, doing something, right? But then you get married, and God put a helper there. And I'm still trying to drive like I'm a single man. And Fiona's just like, would you like me to help you with that? Well, oh, well, yes, what a concept. <laughs> See, you've got to be more God-reliant than self-reliant. That's what a humble person does. All right? Let me just give you some reasons why pride should be resisted. In Exodus 26:19, God breaks pride by withholding rain and blocking prayers. He makes it hard to produce fruit to pride to people who are in pride. All right? Pride is the hardening of the heart and it leads to a downfall like Egypt and Pharaoh. If you if you were to have a poster child of pride, it would definitely be Pharaoh. Hard-heartedness and pride. By the way, a hard-hearted, a hard heart leads to pride. Right? Well, you can say amen or oh me because it's true anyway. And uh, many times God was displeased with arrogance and pride. When, every, when anyone operated in pride, it didn't go well for them. The Bible says pride comes before a fall. This is why it needs to be resisted, right? Haman's pride in, in the book of Esther made him furious and want to destroy a race. He wanted to wipe out an entire race because Mordecai wouldn't bow to him. That's wicked, man. That's, that's devilish. Pride needs to be resisted. Pride is arrogant. It inflates self-importance and it brings dishonor and shame. Pride is presumptuous, it brings strife. These are all scriptures. Don't have time to give you them the reference, but pride, uh, let's see. A proud person loves transgression, strife, and quarrelsome. Pride is self-centeredness. Proud, and Proverbs 21, 24 says, proud, haughty, scoffer is their name. They act with overbearing and insolent pride. Amen. And in the New Testament, in the world, is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Okay? And the devil thinks that he can just do anything that he wants to, but he can't. Amen? And God instituted his church as the organization. We are the frontline warriors against darkness. Do you realize because the church is on the earth, the Antichrist can't show up yet? It's when the church is removed that the Antichrist is revealed. He can't be revealed. Why? Because the, the, tr- the true church, the true believers, the ones who are submitted to God, the ones who humble themselves, they are a force of resistance to the enemy. When the enemy messes with you, he picked the wrong person to mess with. Right? So God opposes the proud. He comes against it. He is opposite of it. Right? He opposes it in practice. He rejects the entire makeup of it. He does not accept it in any way, shape, or form. Amen? And then he says, 
When you humble yourself, God will exalt you with his mighty hand. How many know we got the dominating power of God? We've got the power of God on our side. We've got resurrection power. We've got life-giving power. We've got raising the dead power. We've got healing power. We've got saving power. It's the power of God. You've got the power of God. Amen? How many here has had the Holy Ghost come on them? What does the Bible say? You shall receive what? Power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. If, you, if the Holy Ghost came on you, you got some power. You've got the power to resist the devil himself. You've got the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I, I, I gotta, we've got the power. Uh, 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 uh. We've got the power. Uh, 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 uh. I'm a product of the 80s. And then he says in verse 7, see, if you're carrying around cares, you're going to be ineffective at resisting the devil. Do you know what carrying cares do? It distracts and divides you. If you're carrying around cares, how am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to take care of this? How am I going to do that? How is this going to work out? You're carrying cares. You've got to be carefree, worry-free, and anxiety-free. The Bible says, be anxious for what? Nothing. Everybody say nothing. nothing. So if the Bible says be anxious for nothing, there should be nothing that we should be anxious for. Right. How many want to... True Christians believe the Bible. God said in Philippians, be anxious for Nothing. Why? I take all of my cares to God and he takes care of me. So you've got to cast your cares on him. You've got to bring your cares. He said, you know, the Bible says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or where you're going to live. Amen? Why? You've got someone who cares for you. You've got the creator. You've got the king. You've got God the Father. He cares for you. He's not going to let you do without. David in the psalm said, I've I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. Why? we got someone who can handle those things for us. Let's turn those things over to God. And let's just put God first and let him take care of the rest. Isn't that what he said? All these things will be added to you when you put me and my righteousness first. Hallelujah. See, care, worry, and anxiety, the the literal word means to separate the whole. It divides a person. It makes you problem-centered, not answer-centered. It divides and fractions a person, breaking them into parts. A person who's full of cares is a distracted person, a problem-focused person, and a 
flesh-minded person. Why? Because you're trying to figure out how you're going to take care of these cares. That means you're carrying it on yourself and you're not casting it off on the God. You weren't designed to do that. Did God tell Abraham when he said, I want you to leave your country, leave your home, and I want you to take all these cares with you? That's not in his promise, is it? Abraham didn't even know where he was going. But yet, he had a word from God to go. So, what did Abraham do? He left his cares with God and he went. Where are you going to go, Abraham? I don't know. How are you going to know when you get there? I don't know. All I know is I heard God's voice and God told me to go, so I'm going. Amen? So you can't resist the devil by carrying around all these cares of life. What do the cares of life do to the word? It chokes the word and makes it unproductive. We don't want to choke the word. We want the word to flourish and thrive. Amen? So, see, we're, how many people in this room are Bible people? Right? You live by the Bible. You do what the Bible says, right? It's called living by faith. Right? Do we not have a God who can supply? Our, do we not have a Jehovah Jireh? Do we not have a healer? Do we not have a savior? Amen? So why are, we, why are we carrying around all these cares? Let's, everybody, put your hands together. Say, these are my cares. These are the things that I'm concerned about. These are the things that bother me. I'm giving them to the Lord right now. And I'm free. Hallelujah. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. You don't have to understand how God's going to work it out. Amen? I didn't know how we were going to pay for Gabriel's school. But you know what? I had a talk with one of our... uh, one of the people that we have in our investments. One of our investments from last year increased, increased 25%. Can someone say praise the, Lord? praise the Lord? We had more money in that account than I even realized. And guess what? That's what we used. Amen? How many know God knows how to get it to you? If God can get it through you, God will get it to you. Let's be carefree. Amen? And don't when someone says, be careful, don't take it. <laughs> Say, no thanks. I trust God. Amen? Hallelujah. Then in verse 8, we're going to get to the resisting part, but we got, we, we got to do these things first. You've got to be able to resist. Do you realize when the Bible says in James 4, 7... Submit to God and the devil will flee from you. If a person's not submitted to God, the devil's not running from you. He's running to you. When a person is not submitted to God's word. In other words, they know what the word says, but they don't do it. I'll be talking more about that on Sunday. You know, my day started this morning at 2.30 this morning. Do you realize we were supposed to be here yesterday? 
But the airlines sent me an email that said, your flight's been canceled. Okay? So they gave me another time. But the time that they gave us, our flight was to arrive at 635, and our connecting flight was supposed to leave at 642. Seven minutes to get to the, where you need to go. That was not going to work. The other option was, so we went to the airport early yesterday. And, uh, oh, there's no flights. You're going to have to stay over in Dallas at the airport, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they said, okay, well, there's a flight tomorrow morning. They said, we'll take that flight. Amen. But guess what? Were we upset? No. Why? We cast that care into God. And guess what? God worked it all out. Amen. When you don't know how it's going to work out, you've got a God whom you can trust. He moves mountains. He specializes in those things. Let's start walking in the supernatural. Let's not get unnerved when our plans don't work out like we think they should. Who knows what God protected us from the delay? You know, sometimes a delay is protecting you from something that you don't know is going to happen. But your delay protects you, and you're, you're like, oh, everything's good. Amen? So when your flight gets delayed, just chill. Rest in God. Amen? You know, God was talking to the angels. He said, Michael, Gabriel, he said, I just did this amazing thing. I created something where... Uh, it was, it was light, and then it was dark, and it made one complete thing. And they said, that must have been pretty tough. And God says, no, I'll just call it a day. <laughs> All right? Number, verse 8, if you want to resist the devil, and we do want, how many want to resist the devil? We need to kick the devil out of our homes. We need to kick the devil. Listen, there is no real estate of us that belongs to the devil. Not our mind, not our heart, not our home, not our pocketbook, not our family, nothing. He has no ownership. He has no right. He has no access to anything. But it's up to us to resist him because he will try to get in. He will try to get in your mind. What are we supposed to do with thoughts that go against God's word? We're supposed to arrest them. We're supposed to speak the thoughts that go against God's word. You have the right to remain silent. I arrest you. And we're supposed to cast them down. Isn't that what the Bible says? We're supposed to cast down vain imaginations. Why? A vain imagination is the enemy trying to gain access to your mind. If he can gain access to your mind, he can gain access to your life. Right? Right? So we, got, we can't give him access. He's got access to too many things in this country. He needs to be removed. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Well, who's going to remove him? The church has got to rise up. We've got to pray. We've got to praise. We've got to speak the word. Yeah. Verse 8, sober up. Be sober. Be vigilant. What does that mean? Be well balanced. Be disciplined. It means take the word wherever you go in your heart and mouth. Did you know that you are a spiritual loaded weapon? Let me say that again. A believer 
In Christ Jesus, who's full of the Holy Ghost, is a spiritual loaded weapon that the enemy has no defense against. The enemy will whoop you in the natural, but you'll whoop him in the spirit. And we're supposed to walk in the spirit. Amen? Is this helping you today? See, the devil wants to devour you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. When does he start stealing? The minute you're exposed to the word. Once the word is sown, the enemy comes immediately to steal it. Why? He doesn't want that word to get rooted in you. Because if, if the word gets rooted in you, he knows he's through. So he'll try to steal it when you first hear it. He'll try to get you to disbelieve it or to doubt it or to throw it away. No one goes to steal anything that's not valuable. Repentance stops sin and reverses the curse and its effects. Saying no to sin stops sin. We have been delivered from the dominion of sin. Amen? Hallelujah. So to be sober means not intoxicated. Doesn't mean you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with wine where it says, but be filled with the Spirit. (laughs) To be sober means to be free from illusion. I feel like, how many saw the um, uh, Dorothy and her slippers? Wizard of Oz, yes. When they got to the Wizard of Oz, it was a big facade. That's what we're going to find in the White House. (laughs) A big facade. Someone someone behind the scenes pulling the levers and the things. That's all I'm going to say about that. But to be sober means to be free from illusion, free from intoxicating influences like greed or covetous or anything like that. Did you know that the worldly things have an allure to it? And what the devil does is he tries to lure you in to something. He makes it appear real, but it's not real. And when you get in, then you're trapped. Right? You can't be like Samson and toy with Delilah. Oh, Samson, Samson. There was nine things that Delilah did to find out his secret. Manipulation, uh, praise, emotionalism, those are just a few, right? But he kept toying with her. Samson, what's the key to your strength? Oh, if you tie me up with fresh cords. And then she does it. He should have got a clue right then. But no, he kept toying with it. He kept toying with it. Eventually, he got a haircut. And guess what? He didn't know that his strength was gone. See, we're not here to toy with the devil. We're here to resist the devil. We're here to stand against him. We're here to oppose him. We're here to put him in his place. That's what we're supposed to do as believers in Christ Jesus. What, what made the 70 so excited? You know, when Jesus sent out the 70 in Luke 10, they came back. Even the devils are what? Subject to us. And Jesus said, ah, 
don't worry so much about Satan, but know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I saw Satan fall like lightning. But Jesus, the 70 that he sent out, the devils were subject to them in his name. Amen? You're going to encounter some people that have some devils, and you've got to be able to cast them out. If you put your faith in Christ, if you, Jesus is your Lord, you've got the power to do that. And they have to do it. They, they, they have to obey you. Come on, somebody. That, that's good news as believers. We have the power to do that. A person who just gets born again has the power to do that. We just need some people who will be willing to exercise their power. Christianity is not the silent majority. We've been silent for far too long. We were silent when we let the devil take prayer out of schools. We were silent on, on when, when we let abortions be a, a, a cross-the-board thing. The church was silent. We, need to, we have the voice, amen? We need to speak up. We need to stand up. And we need to go forth in the name of Jesus. But we've got to be sober. Hallelujah. See, we have an adversary. He's opposed to us. The, the devil is opposed to anything that God does. Now, here's the good news. We have more angels than, they, than he has demons. Because Elisha said, they that be with us is more than be with them. Right? Say we got more. You ought to be excited that you have more. The devil could muster up all of his forces and that wouldn't even be enough. Right? He's destined to lose. You're destined to win. Let's act like winners. Jesus already won, so let's just act like what he won is so. Let's walk like he won. Right? How does a winner walk? Right? A winner doesn't walk like this. A winner's like, yeah, come on. Let's walk like winners. Let's talk like winners. Let's stop saying the devil's chasing me. How can he chase you if he's under your foot? How's that possible? I'm just going to let you out for a minute so you can chase. No! The devil is a dirtbag. The devil is a liar. The devil is a destroyer. The devil is a deceiver. We need to resist him. God put us at this time to resist what the devil is doing. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you. He comes at us like a, prosec- a prosecuting attorney prosecutes a criminal. But we have the tools to resist him. Did he come at Jesus? Jesus was tempted, right? How did Jesus resist the temptation? He used the word. How are we going to resist the temptation? We use the word. We use the same tools that Jesus did. Right? That's how we resist him. Verse 9. Resist him. Be firm in the faith. You've got to be rooted and established and immovable. The devil can't stop faith, and by faith you can stop him. By faith you can disarm him. 
Matter of fact, Colossians says that Jesus disarmed him. He made him a show of him openly in the spirit. The devil has been disarmed to the believer. Now, to the non-believer, he still has some power or some influence. But once you're a believer, he loses all of his influence. The devil has no influence on you. None. Ephesians says, Ephesians 4, 27, give him no place. Give the de- don't give the devil a place. Don't give him a place in your mind. Don't give him a place in your heart. Don't give him a place. Say there's no place in my life for the devil or for his works. I'm resisting. I'm opposing. I'm standing against him in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. How did David stand against the possessed Saul? He praised God. He would, he would play. And the devil would be like, I hate this anointed music. I'm leaving. And Saul would be all right. But then when David stopped playing, the enemy would come back. Because Saul didn't know how to resist him himself. Because Saul invited him. Right? You've got to be rooted, established, and immovable in the faith. We got to have some Christians with some firm faith. Yeah. We got to have some Christians that say, "Go ahead, try to knock me down, devil." Yeah. You just bounce right off. Yeah. You know, he gave us armor to resist the devil. Here's what the Amplified says in Ephesians six eleven. Put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier. So that you may be able to successfully stand against all the schemes and strategies and deceits of the devil. We've got the ability to stand against the schemes, the strategies, and the deceits of the devil. What did the Apostle Paul do? He was preaching to the governor. And there was Elamis, who was a sorcerer. Ooh, a sorcerer. He was Harry Potter. By the way, any type of sorcery, whether it's a cartoon or uh, is, is not good. And this sorcerer was preventing the preaching of the gospel. You know what Paul did? He says, you're going to be blind for a season. Acts 13, I believe it is. Elamis, a dark mist came on him and he was blind. You know, that happened in the Old Testament too. Elisha made a whole battalion of soldiers blind and he led them to their captive. And the king said, what should I do? He said, should I kill him? He said, no, feed him. They never bothered Israel again. You read the story. Well, if you made a whole battalion blind, you wouldn't want to bother them either. But yeah, Paul said you're going to be blind for a season. And the sorcerer was made blind. He couldn't see. That We've got that power. Paul and Silas, they were walking to a meeting. And there was this girl. These are the servants of the Most High God. They're here to tell you the truth. What she was saying was true, but what, what was behind it was not good. It was annoying. 
And after a few days of this, Paul got annoyed in his spirit. And he looked, and who did he talk to? Did he talk to the girl? No, he talked to the spirit who possessed the girl. And he said, I adjure you to come out of her in the name of Jesus. Guess what? That spirit of divination had to leave that girl. And those who owned the 900 psychic number got mad because they weren't make, she wasn't making any, mon- any money. How come the psychics never win the lottery? You ever think about that? I'm going to tell you your future. Well, what about your future? I got a future. If you don't change, you're going to hell. <laughs> tell that to a psychic. <laughs> Ephesians 6.14, this is the Amplified. It says, stand firm, hold your ground. Having frightened, having tightened the wide band of the truth around your waist. You know, I think of one of David's mighty men. Do you realize he killed 600 men in a bean field? He held his ground. He said, boys, I'm going to make you some burritos tonight, and I'm not going to let the devil take these beans. I will defend these beans. And he did, 600 people. He, he, he defended the bean fields. Maybe it was green beans, green, bo- green bean casserole. I don't know. But you know what? We, we, we cannot give up ground to the devil. Too many Christians are giving up ground. They're making excuses as to why they can't obey God. (laughs) That needs to stop. We need to be standing firm on our ground. Do you realize God told Joshua, every place where the sole of your foot treads is yours. You know what that would make me do? That would make me walk. (laughs) If God says every every place where the sole of your foot shall tread shall be yours, I'm going to be doing some walking. Why? I'm taking ground. We got too many people who want others to do the walking for them. No one can walk for you. You got to take your own ground. Amen? Say, I'm taking my ground. You know, and David, when he was at Ziklag, he was out fighting and he came back and his headquarters was raided. All the women and children were taken and all the buildings were burned. And his own men wanted to stone him. How'd you like that to be a leader? You just let him into battle. You won the battle and you came back and your hometown is burnt. All your women and children are gone. Everybody's upset and they want to stone you. And David had no one to encourage him. You ever, you ever been in a place where you were the only one uh, dealing with that situation and there was no one around you to encourage you? What did David do? Did he whine? No. Did he complain? No. He went to the Lord. He inquired to the Lord. He said, Lord, shall I recover? And will, uh, shall I pursue? And will I recover? And the Lord said, pursue, you will recover all. He, he encouraged himself in the Lord. When you've got no one around you, you've got the Lord around you. And that's more than enough. I don't know why I'm preaching so hard. <laughs> Ephesians 6.15 Having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace, 
in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by good news. How many have been ready by good? I'm armed with the good news. Do you realize every piece of the armor is the gospel? Truth, righteousness, faith. You have a shield that literally puts out flaming darts. The enemy will shoot fiery darts at you and you got a shield of faith. A dart hits the shield and it gets put out. And the enemy says, well, that's not going to work. I'll shoot another one. He attacks you and his attack is useless. No weapon formed against you shall what? Doesn't mean he's not going to pour a weapon at you, but guess what? It's going to misfire. It's going to be like Elmer Fudd trying to kill Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny's just going to, he's going to plug up the gun and it's going to blow up in Elmer's face. That's what we got to do to the devil. Amen? We got, he needs to be resisted. His way should not be accepted. No matter what. Hallelujah. And then finally, see, we resist the devil by not yielding to temptations. We resist the devil by enforcing the word. We resist the devil by walking in the truth. Amen. By speaking the word of God. How many have a mouth? How many have, how many know some scriptures? You know, my birthday was Sunday, 52 years old. I got up and I quoted 52 scriptures and I looked them up to make sure that I was right. You ought to be able to quote as many scriptures as you are, as your age. Right? I did. I I, I recorded the ones that I said on my phone and I looked them up, every one of them. I go from glory to glory. And, okay, here's the good news. Verse 10 and then I'm done. When you resist the devil, the God of all grace, he's going to complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Amen? The God of all grace. God wants to confirm some people tonight. He wants to establish some people tonight. He wants to strengthen some people tonight. Amen? He wants to energize some people tonight. Amen? We are the body of who? That's the body of the anointed one. We have his anointing. We have his word. We have his spirit. We have his blood. You got the bloodline of a champion in you, baby. Hallelujah. You come from champion line blood. If, if, you, if you were to sell your stock on the market, it would go through the roof. You've got the blood. I mean, people pay a lot of money for bloodline. We got the best bloodline that we could ever have. We got a victorious bloodline. We got an overcoming bloodline. Hallelujah. We got a prospering bloodline. We got a coming out of a jail bloodline. We got moving mountain bloodline. Hallelujah. We got his blood in us. We've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. He shed his blood. His blood wipes away sin he put us in a position of victory the moment you accepted him the moment you said yes Jesus he made you sit in heavenly places hallelujah 
Is there anybody here that needs some strength tonight? You need to confirm something. You need to, let me say it this way, you need to shore up your weakness. In other words, you've been struggling in an area and you want to overcome. God, God will give you the strength to overcome. Amen? His strength will put you over. It's the boost that you need to get over the hurdle. Amen? Is there anybody here that needs to be strengthened? Then I want you to, if that's you, come on up. Don't just sit there. Let's take action. We are Bible-believing people. We take action. Amen? Whenever there's an opportunity to receive from God's word, we're on it. Hallelujah. God is a strengthener. He is a redeemer. To be redeemed means it was a mess until he purchased it. And when he purchased it, he changed the value of the property. The property before was condemned, but now it's blessed. Now it's destined to succeed. Hallelujah. And you guys are up here to receive. Everybody that's up here, say this. Say, Lord Jesus, Jesus. I've come here tonight tonight. to to receive because you're a giver of good things. And I'm going to receive what I need. And I'm going over the top. Hallelujah. I'm getting stronger. I'm getting established. I'm getting confirmed. And I'm going to be made complete in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you right now that your promises are good. And I thank you that you are performing your word in her life right now in the name of Jesus. God said, don't worry about the needs. He said, I'll take care of the need. I will supply your need according to my riches and glory through Christ Jesus, says the Lord. I'm a supplier. I'm a provider. I'm your father, says the Lord. I created you and I brought you into being and I got plans for you. And the devil has tried to interrupt those plans to no success, to no avail. Because I've made you to overcome. I poured out my blood on you, and you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. You have a testimony. People need to hear your testimony. You need to testify to what the Lord has done for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, let the fresh anointing come upon her and give her what she needs right now in the name of Jesus. All those in the world said, you're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to do that. Now look at you. (laughs) Look at what the Lord has done. He has done great things and you are glad. He has done great things and your tongue is filled with laughter and your tongue is filled with singing right now, Father. Just do what he needs done in the name of Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Rejoice in your victory. Rejoice in where the Lord has brought you. Rejoice in what God has done for you. He has done great things for you and he's not done yet. Hallelujah.
Oh, Father, I thank you that you are establishing her, strengthening her faith. You are the strengthener. Lord, you strengthen her with might in her inner man by the Holy Ghost. May the Holy Ghost and power just overwhelm her in the name of Jesus and bring fresh invigoration. Those who wait upon the Lord, your strength is being renewed right now. God's strength is renewable. It's refillable. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for strengthening her with might in the name of Jesus. You feel bogged down by the weight you think you have to carry. But tonight, you let go of that weight and it has no hold on you, and you are free indeed in the name of Jesus. You are free to be you. You are free to do what I've called you to do. You are free to experience all the goodness of your heavenly Father in the name of Jesus starting right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, son, I want to encourage you to fight the good fight of faith. A good fight is one that you win. Yes, you've had trials. Yes, you've had trouble, but your best is yet to come in the name of Jesus. Father, I give you thanks and praise right now for strengthening him, confirming him, establishing him, and completing him. In him you live and move and have your being in the name of Jesus. He's invigorating you right now. He's making you strong from within. Stir up the gift of God that was given to you. Stir it up and let it flow like a mighty river. Let those waters rush forth and they will bring power and glory in the name of Jesus. Be not weary. In well-doing, for you shall reap if you faint not. You've been tempted to faint, tempted to give up, but God is on your side. And not only is on your side, but he's going to put you over. <laughs> he's putting you over in the name of Jesus. He's putting you in the winner's circle right now in this very moment in the name of Jesus. Your fresh anointing to win is coming on you right now. I feel like the Holy Ghost is beginning like a, a whirlwind, like a tornado on the inside, in your spirit. It's going around and around, and it's going to burst forth in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your strength and your power and your might. Lord, he is a new creation. His spirit is made new. His body is being renewed. His mind is, is being subdued in the name of Jesus. And I give you thanks and praise. He's presenting his body as a living sacrifice. I call this body a living sacrifice. Every organ, every joint, every bone, every system is a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord God Almighty in the name of Jesus. 
Hallelujah. He's given you what you need to finish strong. Run the race. Endure hardship like a good soldier. Hallelujah, for the Lord is running with you. He is your fuel in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that every limit in thought, word, and deed is removed off of him right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, he experienced your healing power when he was younger. And God's got greater things in store for you. Greater things that he wants you to do. Greater things that you're going to help people through you. Father, I just thank you right now that a fresh anointing will just come upon him and invigorate him with strength and power and glory. May he experience the glory of the Lord as you take him into a deeper, deeper place with you in the name of Jesus. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that he's experiencing the depth of your goodness and the depth of your love. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you thanks and praise. Thank you, Lord. For touching him and strengthening him in the name of Jesus. Bring order to his mind right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. And I give you thanks and praise that everything is in the right place in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, let's give God praise. Let's stand to our feet. Let's give God praise. Let's praise his holy name. Hallelujah. We got a good God and he's equipped us with everything that we need to do his will, with everything that we need to succeed. Hallelujah. We got the tools. We got the equipment. We got the goods. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God has called you. God has worked in you. God has done things for you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He's working mightily. He's working mightily. Hallelujah. Your faith is growing exceedingly. Exceeding, growing faith. Exceeding. Uh, yeah, you, this is one place where you can exceed the limit. There are no, the li- oh my goodness. Ha. It's like a kite that catches the wind. And it's flying and you've got unlimited amount of string. Hallelujah. And it's reaching higher heights in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, come on. We get excited about the Word. We get excited about the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We get excited about what God's doing in Palmyra. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what are we going to do with the devil? We're going to resist him. Whenever he sticks his nose in our business, we're going to resist him. Whenever he tries to operate, we're going to resist him. Whenever he tries to lie, we're going to resist him. Because guess what? He hides in the darkness, but we got the light which exposes darkness. You walk into a place. You know, like the metal detector? 
You see those guys on the beach? And when they hit metal, it beeps. We got devil detector. If there's a devil trying to operate, something's going to go off in our radar. I don't think so. You ain't going to do that here. Hallelujah. We're going to rise up and resist him in the name of Jesus. Because everything, we're walking with God, amen? We got a strong relationship with God. Hallelujah. Sometimes you got to overturn some tables and crack some whips. Amen? Why? The devil was doing something in the temple that he shouldn't have been doing. And Jesus had to clean house. Sometimes you got to clean house. The kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. Our force is faith. We do not put up with the devil. We put him out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, I think that's it. Y'all have a good night. God bless you. Thanks for coming. See you Sunday. Go and exercise that authority.